Hello, it's David here. Thank you for listening to The Leader. Please subscribe, rate and share us and talk to us. We're on social media. Just use the hashtag The Leader Podcast. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The gyms are opening, but the offices stay closed. It looks a bit like the government is doing the things that are popular. Of course they would. They're politicians. They want to get elected. They want us to have a nice time in August. What they're not yet doing is the dull, boring stuff of getting into work. Associate Editor Julian Glover asks when the government will get serious about a looming economic crisis. And... I had a constituent who had a threat to kill by her ex-husband. She called the police and she ended up in Yarlswood Detention Centre. Labour's Jess Phillips on the gap in the system that's leaving some migrant domestic abuse victims unprotected. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what it really means when you can go to the gym but not the office. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So, good. Stay nice and upright. Look to core out. It's time to deal with your lockdown lard. Gyms are being given the green light to reopen in mid to late July with strict hygiene and social distancing measures. So keep that sweat to yourself. It's a nice balance to the Chancellor's discount meals and plea to eat out to help out. But it's come on a day when hard economic reality is hitting the high street. Between them, John Lewis and Boots have announced 5,300 job losses. Rishi Sunak, meanwhile, has said sorry for not being able to protect everyone's livelihoods as the UK lumbers towards a potentially severe recession. Our editorial column says popular announcements may lift spirits, but they won't stop the economy crashing. Yesterday's spray of cash into PR-friendly schemes follows months in which Rishi Sunak has acted hard and fast and shown leadership of a kind we haven't seen so clearly from the Prime Minister. But even Mr Sunak knows he will have to start answering the two contradictory questions which get thrown at every Chancellor after their big announcements. Why didn't you do more? And how are you going to pay for it all? By the autumn, unemployment is likely to be going up sharply. What can the Chancellor do about this? He's thrown an extraordinary amount in already. 
Why are gyms reopening and the government pushing people to eat out while still discouraging commuting and office life? That might make August more fun, but is it hitting the return to normal economic activity? And why did Mr Sunak say nothing about helping women and backing childcare? With schools mostly shut and families at home, his low-cost chicken dinners will fatten our waistlines, but prove thin pickings for the economy. Our associate editor Julian Glover is with me now. Julian, I could do with going to the gym. I'm not going to, but I could. And it'll be nice to have the choice. So isn't it a good thing that little freedoms like that can be made available even while offices are closed? People are going to like that. It looks a bit like the government is doing the things that are popular. Of course they would. They're politicians. They want to get elected. They want us to have a nice time in August. But they're doing those things. What they're not yet doing is the dull, boring stuff of getting into work. And that's going to hit us in the autumn. So we're going to have to start restarting the normal economy, getting people travelling, if there isn't a second wave. And if there is, God help everybody. And we're going to have to start realising that not everything's going to be free. It isn't going to be cheap, cheap burgers forever. People are going to lose their jobs. We've heard tough announcements today from really respected companies like John Lewis and Boots, the staples of the high street. If they can't employ people because people aren't going out and they aren't shopping or they're going online in the future, if offices aren't being used, if the normal core of the British economy has not returned to some version of what it used to be, the pain's going to be horrible. Furlough can't go on forever. Unemployment will rise. People will be unhappy. And if the government at that point has to put more money in, you know, if second wave happens and we go back into partial lockdown in many places, we might need to extend the furlough scheme in those towns and cities if that has to happen. That's going to cost money. We'll have to show how we're going to pay for it. The Prime Minister can tell us he isn't going to put taxes up, but nobody really believes much that the Prime Minister says at the current situation. It's the Chancellor they trust, the Chancellor they listen to. He's been really impressive so far in this crisis, but his hard work is only just beginning. How hard could it get? over the next few weeks or months, Julian? When are we going to see the government change its tone from discount meals and opening gyms? There must have been a lot of chancellors who'd hoped that in their time in the job they could spend unimaginable amounts of money, give things away to people, give give them half-price burgers for the summer holidays, discounts on buying a house, cheap vat in pubs, and get praise for it. And that's what's happened to Rishi Sunak this week. But there's a horrible rule in politics, which is when everyone cheers you, you've got to ask what's going to happen next. The question remains, how is he going to pay for all this? And what else is he going to have to do? Well, on the money, we're just making it up at the moment. The Bank of England is just allowing the government to borrow as much money as it needs. The interest rate is very low. And everybody economically says that's the right thing to do. But at some point, confidence will go. If you keep making money out of nothing, people start to ask, is your currency valuable? And we've seen the pound slide over the last few years and continue to slide during this crisis. The other question, though, is how does he get the economy going, the real economy, to raise the money? Because the best way to pay for things is for tax re revenue to come in, not for borrowing forever. Um, well, we've got some problems there because the government has given us a kind of happy holiday package for August and a discount if you go and buy a house and all sorts of things which will maybe help the economy great for pubs great for restaurants but offices are still empty the london economy isn't back to normal people who work in offices go out shopping buy 
second-rate coffee from Pret-a-Manger for too much money, but, you know, that's part of how the economy works, buying crap coffee. Well, all of that isn't happening because people aren't travelling. The official advice is still work from home if you can. And the official advice is also don't use the tube unless you need to and don't use rail transport. Drive. Well, that's madness for London. People can't drive. They need to get back onto the tube. And the confidence isn't there because the government isn't setting the message. Are they right? Is it dangerous? Well, other countries are using public transport more. And you've got to ask, if it's not yet safe to work in an office, properly managed, socially distanced and all of that, and it's not regarded as safe to get the tube, even when carriages are nearly empty in the middle of the day, as people have seen if they've been on, then why on earth is it safe to go to a gym? Next. What will be told to you if you were to go forward at that stage, even to a local women's refuge, is I'm afraid that we cannot house you because you have no recourse to public funds. Jess Phillips, why the landmark domestic abuse bill must be amended to protect migrant women. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. A year after being introduced to Parliament by Theresa May's government, the domestic abuse bill is on its way to the Lords. Some have hailed it as a landmark. It introduces the first legal definition of the crime, protects children who witness it, and stops killers using rough sex as a defence. But even some supporters of the legislation say there's a gaping hole in it. It doesn't allow access to public funds or shelter support for migrant women with an insecure status. Labour's Jess Phillips is fighting for an amendment, saying to truly be a landmark, the law must include all women. She spoke to The Evening Standard's Matilda Malson. Would you just first outline how the current system fails to protect migrant women? It's quite complicated, but um, basically, if you have come to this country on uh, any variety of visas from coming here to get married or coming here to work to be a student or even on a tourist visa you usually will have a condition that is no recourse to public funds meaning you can't access the benefits system what that means in cases of domestic abuse is currently because you have no recourse to public funds you would not be able to access refuge accommodation as a rule in the vast majority of cases what will be told to you if you were to go forward at that stage to your local council to the police even to a local women's refuge is i'm afraid that we cannot house you because you have no recourse to public funds just me as a british born white woman who speaks english It would be really hard for me to come forward about to services because I will have been told that no one will believe me. I will have been told that nothing will happen. I will have been told that I'm worthless and that I deserved it. Then add in that your perpetrator, who in most of the cases I deal with is a British citizen, saying, if you go forward, you'll be deported. I'll keep the kids or you'll lose your job. You would think, oh, well, I've got to just keep my head down. I've got to keep quiet. I'm not going to come forward. And so we have to sing from the rooftops 
as policymakers and support providers that, that people should come forward. But unfortunately, what happens in lots of cases is that when those people come forward, you know, one of two things can happen is, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do for you tonight. There's nowhere we can accommodate you. You're going to have to either go back to where you were staying, which is likely with a violent perpetrator, or in the worst cases, uh, we've seen how people have had their immigration status reported to uh, the Home Office. So I had a constituent who had a threat to kill by her ex-husband and uh, she was going through the immigration process completely and utterly legally. When the threat to kill came against her, she called the police and she ended up in Yarlswood Detention Centre. And that's not that's not like one harrowing case. There are lots of cases like that. And so the message you should come forward, you will be safer is completely damned by that sort of practice. So what's the goal? Is the goal here an amendment to the bill? We've been incredibly successful throughout the process of the domestic abuse bill of getting the government to listen to campaigns, whether it's about tenancies, whether it's about providing sustainable refuge accommodation funding, whether it's been about putting children on the face of the bill. The government have met us in the middle um, and listened to campaigns, both cross-party campaigns uh, and national campaigns by campaigning organisations. The stumbling block on this one, I cannot help but think, is that it's because it's about immigration. It seems ideological rather than steeped in reality. And that is a real shame because what we're talking about is not vast swathes of people or we're talking about people who live and work legally in this country or have come here because of being in danger and have found themselves in a dangerous situation again. And we want to just be able to make sure that they can be helped. What's the likelihood of, of this passing? Uh, the government is going to run a pilot um, that uh, they're putting £1.5 million into to see if they can fill the gap and create a funding model for these groups of people. However, that £1.5 million is based on absolutely no data whatsoever. And when I asked what happens, if that money runs out within the first six months of the pilot, do we then just turn all the other victims who come forward away? I simply don't have the answers to those questions. And so all we are asking is for the government for just one year of the pilot to ease the no recourse to public funds rules just for victims of domestic violence. And it's not like anyone could just come forward and say, well, I'm a victim of domestic violence. There is a burden of proof um, that we have associated with that amendment that follows the same proof that any victim has to bring forward if they want to claim legal aid. It's the government standard. And is there anything the public can do we have a petition on my website, which is jessphillips.net, and people can sign up to it. It's called No Victim Left Behind, and it's to make sure that whoever you are, wherever you come from, wherever you work, no matter what your circumstances, if you're being abused, then we think that the government and the state and us as a society should help you. And that's Alida. You can get more analysis and commentary on these stories and more in the newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. <laughs>